Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast after a lengthy holiday break. I'm Ben Glicksman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. Matt, happy holidays. That's right. That's right. And to you as well. It's, uh, you know, a, a few uh, different plans got in our way of keeping our once a week routine. But, you know, I guess fortunately for us, ASU did not make a bowl game. So we didn't have that to talk about. So we haven't missed much. But, you know, we're back and better than ever, as they say. Well, ASU didn't make a bowl game, but it, even making a bowl game is no guarantee people are going to play anymore as Leonard Fournette at LSU and Christian McCaffrey at Stanford both announced that they were going to skip yeah. their respective bowl games to work on their draft prospects, which to me is the natural extension of Priest Willis going to UCLA to improve his brand. <laughs> yeah, okay. And that college is really about, you know, for a normal person, really about getting ready for the next stage in life. Sure. And these are two kids who are ready for the next stage in life. Absolutely, yeah. I, you know, we we uh, we discussed it via text, and I don't I don't know where you stand on it now, but um, you know, I I don't have any problem with it at all. I, I think it's I, mean, I think it's a case by case basis. I'll um, say this: I don't love it if I because w- I try to think if this is two years from now, yeah, and ASU's in the Holiday Bowl. And Nikhil Harry's as good as I think he is. Right. You know, I'd be bummed if Harry decides, you know, we went nine and three. We missed out on the Rose Bowl. I don't need this. I'm going yeah. to the holiday or I'm going I mean, to the it's, draft. It's it's a, uh, you know, it's one of those. It's like a lot of things when you talk college sports or when I talk college sports, at least where I, as a fan, yes, I'd be bummed if I was an LSU fan or a Stanford fan, or if I was going to, to those games and I thought I was going to see those guys play uh, on a selfish level, I would be bummed, but I get it 100%. Uh, you know, now would I, would I think differently if, you know, Deshaun Watson came out and said that when he's in the playoff? Yes. Um, you know, I, I, there's, there's extremes here that I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't say, Oh yeah, that makes sense. But these two guys are both playing in games that, are in the grand picture meaningless. Um, you know, they're the Citrus Bowl and the Sun Bowl, they're they're upper tier bowl games, I suppose, but they really don't mean anything. And I'll I'll illustrate that point by asking you, I don't know the answers. Who won the Citrus Bowl and the Sun Bowl last year? Do you know? I don't. I know we I beat, don't know we either. beat Duke in the Sun Bowl two years a ago. A couple right. years ago. I remember right, that. Right. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I guess that to me is is one of the points I would make that, you know, we don't remember. Now, we remember who won the national title. We remember who won the bowl games to get you to the national title. Those mean something. Um, those games just don't. And to me, this is no different than a guy leaving a year early to go pro. He He's done enough. They've both done enough. Um, and, and they don't have anything more to prove. Um, you know, I know Ezekiel Elliott tweets out, you know, I'd do anything to – play another game with the scarlet and gray well he, he could have played you know 13 14 15 more games if he'd come back for a senior year he chose not to um so you know they're just making the same decision um it's easy to say well i'd love to play more game well you, you could have um he made a business decision to go pro the, the right one to me these guys are doing the same thing well you get into that issue and I think that there's a natural stopping point that would prevent these guys because you wonder well you know, Miles Jack played half a season and then he dropped sure. out. Well, it's like, sure, that's true. But two things, one, he was injured and two, he fell out of the first round. Right, right. You know, and on uh, the flip side of that, you get the the Mike Williams USC. He was forced to sit out. 
he came back, he wound up a first-round pick, but his sure. career was never the same because he it didn't get not. the reps. I right. don't think missing yeah. the bowl game has any more or less impact on whether these guys will be good pros and how they'll be evaluated come draft time. Uh, no, agreed. Agreed. I mean, uh, you know, I know people, they make the slippery slope argument that, well, this is going to open the door to somebody like Fournette or Jadavian Clowney a couple years back, you know, sitting out their entire junior year. I don't see that happening because I think – I just think the downside to that, you mentioned Mike Williams is a great one. Um, you know, you get, you get out of shape, you get out of game shape. You, you know, no matter how hard you work with a personal trainer and at a gym, it's not the same as playing football, but playing one extra game when you've already played, you know, 12 this year, 12 the year before, 12 the year before that for those guys, more than that, because they've been going to bowls, you know, Christian McCaffrey went to a PAC 12 title game. He's got probably close to 40 games, uh, on his resume, so does Fournette. They don't need this one more game. And and you look at, you know, and I, I know, I mean, it's a it's a noble thing that he said, but you look at a guy like Jalen Smith from Notre Dame last year, who was ticketed to probably be a top five, top ten pick. And yeah, it was a catastrophic injury. Those things don't usually happen, but it has to give you pause when you see him suffer that injury. You know, he falls to the second day. Who knows if he'll ever play again, or or if he does, will he? Will he be able to play the way he did before? Um, uh, you know, that can happen anytime. Could happen in their first preseason game, but at least then they'll be making money. Right now, they're not making that money. Well, and it's one of those things where you're talking about a difference of millions of dollars on the freakishness of what happens yeah. if you land on someone's foot or right. someone's knee collides with your knee at the wrong angle. Right. In you know, a game that, again, ultimately means nothing. That's the thing. I mean, yeah, football, you can get injured any time. And, and I've heard that argument. Well, if you're afraid to get injured. Well, I don't think they're afraid to get injured. I think they're just weighing the, the pros and the cons and the, and the risk and the benefit. And there's just not a lot of benefit for them playing in these games. When you think about the, the way an injury can happen, you know, for ASU with Brady White, one play, yeah. one thing, and and it doesn't even look that bad. You get up, right. you think you're okay. Bo Jackson's career-ending injury. He thought sure. he'd be fine. Well, we saw it in the NFL this weekend. You know, Marcus Mariota and Derek Carr, both on on pretty routine sacks. You know, plays you see uh, 15 times a week. Uh, their seasons are done, and you know, for the Titans, their season's done because of that loss. And 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 for the Raiders, they're going to go to the playoffs. But who knows? You know, I mean, it's so. Yeah, these, you know, now look, those those are regular season games. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to say, well, they shouldn't be playing those games, you know. Those games mean something. The Citrus Bowl and the Sun Bowl do not. They are glorified exhibitions. They're fun for you and me and, and you know, millions of other people to watch on TV. But they don't ultimately mean anything. Um, and so I don't blame these guys at all. There are other meaningful college football games. If you are following along on our bowl picks don't. I hope you bet against everything I said <laughs> and, and most of what well. Matt said. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. I mean, we still have the big games ahead. And so we have a chance to, you know, to end on a more positive note. You know, the the interesting thing for me is I got off to a decent start with some of the games that I didn't know anything about. I just kind of picked at random. Now these last couple of days on games I really felt pretty good about, I have uh, – taken a hit Washington State and Boise State and Pitt and you know Utah almost um, those were teams I felt really good about and and not very many have come through I feel like all of those plus Old Dominion really screwed with my bracket <laughs> <laughs>
I missed that one. Let's see, that one was one. Okay, I'll take that. That was a coin toss. I, I took Eastern Michigan fine. But, uh, boy, there there were some games, uh, what was it, two days ago, three games in a row, Temple, Washington State, and Boise State. I think I had 30 or more points riding on each one, and all three lost. So that, that tells you the, you know, how hard it is to pick bowl games, really, because you just you just don't know what you're going to get. If if people were listening to this for gambling advice, I think we've scared them straight. So that's good. Hopefully, yeah, that's true. That's true. But with the remaining games, there's obviously the final four in the in the actual playoff. Washington and Alabama had their media day. I thought that was very interesting because mostly because of the Pac-12 network was tweeting out about how early it was for folks in <laughs> Seattle to try to get up and see media day. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting, um, how, uh, uncovered that game seems to be. Now, some of that might be, you know, a little local bias because obviously the Fiesta Bowl's here and Clemson, Ohio state, you know, is getting a lot of talk in, in the local market, but, um, it just feels like most everybody agrees, and I mean, I think you and I do too, that, that Alabama's an overwhelming favorite. Um, you know, you still have to play the game. It'll be uh, surprising to me if they, if they can pull an upset or even, you know, keep it close into the, into the end of the game. Um, but, you know, boy, if they do, you can already hear the nobody believed in us, everybody was picking against us, uh, you know, chip on your shoulder type of talk because they, they got plenty of ammo for it. If I was Alabama, I would not sleep on Washington, but I would not lose sleep about Washington. No, I, 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 I mean, this is one of those things where they are the more talented team. And if they, sure. I, it, you know, as we often talk about in sports, if both teams execute as well as they can, Alabama wins. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I think we're remembering, and, and I think right, so we're remembering what happened last year. Uh, Michigan State had kind of a, a, a different style team, certainly, but, um, you know, a, a team that deserved to be there. They won the games to get them there, but they didn't really go in on the strongest of notes. Connor Cook was hurt, he and, and they, they weren't the same team that they had been earlier in the year. And it kind of feels the same way with Washington. I know they won the Pac-12 title game by a big margin, but it just didn't feel like they played that well. And and I I didn't think they were playing that well in November when they, you know, they lost to USC, they they beat ASU, yeah, the but I didn't think they were overly impressive. Um, the momentum wasn't there, for sure. It wasn't. It wasn't, yeah. Now, on the Alabama side, the big news since we last left was that Lane Kiffin is moving on to clo- coach Florida Atlantic and recruit people who beat up yep. women. And Steve Sarkeesian <laughs> is moving in in his traditional role of replacing Lane Kiffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it kind of lends credence to the notion that maybe they had this in line all along because they brought Sarkeesian in mid-season, which is, a, you know, an odd time. And it, it almost felt like that was a transition period for him to kind of, you know, feel out how this program works and then we could just plug you in when Kiffin moves on. Um, See, you know, the, the Kiffin story was kind of bizarre. He was all set to be the Houston coach and then he wasn't and – then he was going to go to LSU, and then he wasn't. And, uh, you know, as with anything with him, it seems like, it, you know, there's always more than me. Well, yeah. I mean, Kiffin absolutely would have – I mean, his agent 
was just a Swiss cheese amount of holes that were leaking from his agent because Kiffin uh, was rumored to have accepted the Houston job, then to have said that he would certainly absolutely take the Houston job. Then it came out that he was never offered the Houston job. And, right, right, yeah. Yeah, we rolled through that a couple times, and then you hear that he goes to Florida Atlantic, and it almost felt like he had to take a head coaching job somewhere this year because he had already put himself so far out on the limb. I agree. I I don't think it's a great job. I mean, I know Florida is a is a hotbed of talent, but, man, it's it's really, uh, you know, working uphill. Uh, you've got the big three programs, obviously, and, and, you know, Florida State has kind of gotten back to where they used to be uh, Miami's got Mark Rick now, uh, you know, Florida has been to the SEC title game two years in a row. And then you've got, you know, the second tier, you know, South Florida was 11 and two this year. Good program. And they bring in Charlie strong to replace Willie Taggart. And I know, you know, he comes with some, some, you know, check marks because of Texas, but you know, he had a lot of success at Louisville recruiting Florida. Um, you have to figure, you know, he's going to be a good fit there. You got Florida international, which brings in Butch Davis. I mean, gonna be tough the the you know the state of florida is is pretty loaded when it comes to coaching talent absolutely and this feels like one of those moves where if you track kiffin's career oakland raiders tennessee usc offensive coordinator alabama one of these things is not like the other when you take this job right right and and it it does have the feel to me and i think maybe that's a big reason why houston didn't ultimately happen that, you know, he's he's not really there for the long haul if he does well. Um, you know, he as soon as maybe next year, if, if the opportunity arises, you could see him jump and ship. He's been well-traveled. You just mentioned all the stops, and uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't stay in one place very long. He left Tennessee after one year. So if you're going to leave Tennessee after one year, you'd certainly leave Florida Atlantic after one year. Yeah, it gets to the interesting question of, if you're going to do that, and if you're going to actually try to leave after one season, wouldn't you pick a school where you felt like you had a decent shot to go 500, make a bowl? Probably, probably. Um, but, of course, you know, you you say that, and, and because there's not many expectations, if you go 500, if you go 7-5, and five, uh, you know, does, is that enough? You know, I mean, you, you're not going somewhere where they're going to expect you to go 11-1. and one. Uh, you know, so maybe you go there and, and you have a good year or two years and, and he, you know, finds a better opportunity. I, I mean, I think Houston was very wary of another Tom Herman situation as good as he did there. I think they didn't really want to become the, you know, the feeder school for bigger schools. And, uh, you know, and so they went with a guy who was an assistant there, a Texas guy, maybe, a, you know, somebody who did expect at least will be a little bit more, uh, loyal and long-term there, um, because it just felt like, you know, felt like they wanted a situation. You heard about the buyout thing that they wanted. And uh, I don't think Kiffin was ready to agree to that because I think he does view it as a stepping stone. That's very, very true. The other game, you know, Ohio State and Clemson. Is it just me or when you get weeks and weeks of Dabo Swinney, you like him less and less as an as a neutral observer? Wow, well, I think it is just you, at least on this phone call. I like him. The more I've watched of his interviews, the more he seems smug and cocky, and and deservedly so. They've been playing... This is coming from the guy who loves Nick Saban? 
Nick Saban's got how many national titles to Dabo Swinney's? Well, I'm just saying, if smug and cocky is going to, you know, upset you, then you should not like Nick Saban. My view is, <laughs> if you get there, you can act like it. But if well, you I haven't sh- gotten there... Well, I mean, he played for the national title last year. It's not like he's done nothing. Yeah, uh, and know, the guy uh, who's walking around cocky is the guy uh, who won it. <laughs> yeah, oh, he is. He is. Smug and cocky, those are two good words for him. I mean, I... Uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm not a Clemson fan per se. I I you know I kind of root for them depending on who they're playing. Um, I like Dabo. Uh, he doesn't bother me. I, I guess I could see how he might, no doubt. Um, you know, he's he's got that sort of uh, you know he, he reminds you a little bit of of PJ Fleck. He's very you know very he's- enthusiastic, and sometimes it might be like, okay, is there a little phoniness to you? Can you really be this guy all the time? I mean, he is super rah-rah. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. And But you know what? It's working. I mean, you know, he's I, – I remember not long ago, and you do too, I'm sure, when Clemson – you know, I've compared ASU to Clemson um, because it just felt like they were always a program that had, you know, a mini run here or there, and they could never sustain it. They could never really do much with it. Um, and it felt like, you know, when, when could they get over the hump and, you know, Dabo took over as an interim coach initially for Tommy Bowden. And certainly I didn't, you know, when that move was made, I didn't think oh, this is going to be the guy that really establishes Clemson, but he has, he's recruited extremely well. And, and that, you know, that Clemsoning verb that you used to hear, uh, that basically was, you know, synonymous with choking, you don't hear it anymore. So, you know, I give the guy a lot of credit. Well, and I, I will go along with this. You know, Pete Carroll was super rah-rah. If you yes. have the players who respond to that and you have to trust that the way he's recruited, he must, Yeah. then you're good. I mean, Todd Graham at ASU is very religious, and, and so is yeah. Mark Richt at Miami. Right. They rely heavily on, you know, religious philosophy, right. and they bring it up all the time in recruiting. And I'm sure that to religious parents and religious kids, it's great. Sure. Would I personally sure. buy into that? No, I'd probably actually no. buy more into the rah rah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to be who you are, and yet also you you have to be, um, you know who who you know kids and parents like. And uh, I know it's a movie you've seen a bunch, and I've seen you know the the scenes in Blue Chips where you know Pete Bell is going around recruiting, and he you know is is changing his religious affiliation with every place he's at. Uh, I'm sure that that kind of stuff happens all the time. You know, you're you're whatever you need to be to get that kid and get that talent. And you know, Dabo's found the right mix. Um, and obviously, you know, it's it's more than just. I mean, he's recruited well, but you have to be able to coach him. And obviously, he's doing something right because they've uh, they've had now about a you know six or seven year run of pretty sustained success. Uh, you know, and again, that's. That's something that you just kept waiting for Clemson to be able to do, and they couldn't do it. And, it, you know, it's inspiration. Uh, if we find that right guy, maybe we could do it too. Yeah, that's what I'll keep telling myself. I hope so. I mean, they, certainly South Carolina is a little bit more of a, of a frutal, uh, fruitful, not frutal, uh, fruitful ground. Um, but still, I, I, you know, I, I always saw that program as one – to kind of look at as like, you know, boy, they can't get over the hump either. Well, they did. So why not us? Same for Michigan state. That was another one. And I know they had a down year this year, but prior to that, they had, you know, a good long run of success. 
Yeah, they had a down year this year, and you want to bet they'll make it back next year? Exactly, yeah. I, I, you know, you'd expect them to be right back and be a, you know, at least a very good team, if not a, you know, a Big Ten title contender pretty soon. So our picks are locked in for the official pool. Do you have yes. any – do you stand by your picks? Obviously, I think we're both in on Alabama. Do you stand by yeah. your Clemson pick? Well, I picked Ohio State. Well, I mean for actually. the game. I For the game. You st- are uh, you because you just told me how much you like Dabo. I know I do. I did, uh, but I picked Ohio State in the pool, um, and I'll stick with that. You know, I'm not going to change it in there. But there's a part of me that that I yeah I think Clemson's going to win. Um, and I and I will say I think Clemson has a better chance to beat Alabama. I think they've got better talent. I think Ohio State is the coaching. You know, you saw Urban Meyer. You know, put together a heck of a game plan against Alabama a couple years ago with a team that was supposed to be outmatched. Um, turns out they weren't, you know, we didn't, we didn't realize at the time how good that team was, but um, you know, I think they do, but watching them toward the end of the year, that Michigan game and the Michigan state game the week before they, they're just, they're missing something and their offense really isn't all that explosive. And I'm not sure that you can beat Alabama without a really good offense, which Clemson at least has the ability to have. All right. Well, I hear you. I don't think anyone beats Alabama. I mean, Alabama, I was looking at this earlier today, their closest game this year was 10 nothing shutting out LSU, I think. Yeah. Now, they were down, what was it, down 21 to Ole Miss there early in the season. And Every, they came back and, everyone gets down 21 to Ole Miss. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ole Miss, I would say, was the game they were in the most jeopardy. Um, and if Ole Miss hadn't done what they did so many times throughout the year, which was you know, shoot themselves in the foot. Who knows where that game ends up? Because I think they only ended up winning by five, didn't they? They It was a weird game. They were down big, then they were up big, then Ole Miss got a couple of cheap touchdowns at the end and made it interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a crazy game, but everyone beats Ole Miss when Ole Miss gets up twenty one. Yeah. I think we learned that this year. Now that was yeah, the, that was the yeah. pre uh, that was the pre Shea era. That's right. That's so that right. you know, and we'll see. We'll see what next year brings. They gotta, they gotta fix that defense because, boy, the, the defense let them down in the last two games when they had a chance to get to a bowl. Yeah. You know whose defense never gets let down? Alabama. Well, not this year. No, no. I mean, it's a, it's a heck of a group, and they, you know, I mean, that's the thing that makes it so tough. I, and that's why I say I just, you know, can, can you beat them with an average offense? I don't, I don't think you can. I think you need a really good offense that's able to do something against them. And I think Clemson is the only team that, that has that. Now maybe Ohio state has figured some things out. They do have a, you know, a really good coaching staff and a, a very good quarterback, you know, a guy who's, who's won a lot. Um, but I just, I don't know. There was something at the end of the year that I thought, boy, uh, they, they look rough around the edges, young team that looks like they've still got some growing to do. I was looking at a mock draft today for the NFL yeah. and for a variety of reasons, we won't get into it, but I will just say this. Eight of the 32 first-round picks are from Alabama. Yeah. And yeah. only one was an offensive player. Or no, I take that back. Really? Two. An offensive tackle and a tight end. The other, and Howard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. the other six were defensive players. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and, you know, a lot of those guys could have been last year. You know, I mean, they that's that's kind of the remarkable thing about this team is, you know, they had three or four guys that easily could have gone pro after last year and didn't. 
probably would have been first or second round picks. Um, so yeah, I mean they'll they'll lose a lot after this year, but that's why they're so good this year. Is is you know they they're uh, they're more they're deeper than you would have expected. I mean I remember after that game last year thinking, well they're going to lose this guy, they'll lose it. Well they didn't. Jonathan Allen came back, Tim Williams, Reuben Foster, Eddie Jackson. I mean those are guys that could have probably been first round picks last year. Drafting Wisconsin offensive linemen and defensive players from Alabama is usually a good idea. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been pretty safe. Running backs from Alabama, not as much. No, um, no. They, I, they've had a they've had a mixed bag of success. They, you know, but but if you Trent stay Richardson defense, gets, bad, gets the bad rap. If you stay, but defense, yeah, defensively, you, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've they've been uh, they've been pretty good, no doubt about that. Tight ends from Miami. That's another good one. That's true. Yeah, back in the day, they had a nice little pipeline there with uh, Bubba Franks and Shockey and Kellen Winslow. Greg Olson too, I guess. Yeah, Greg Olson's still there, still being awesome. Yeah, still getting it done. Yeah, yeah. So switching gears briefly, Pac-12 basketball season's about to start. ASU basketball struggling, struggling in the non-conference yeah, schedule. Yeah, big article. Yeah, I mean, so. Uh, well, I was just going to say, big article Go ahead. on uh, AZ Central about you have to give Hurley time and let him develop talent. And I, and I want to say, yes, Which I agree. I Look, it's, it's 100%. It's, yeah, we're two years in. The only thing, the only black mark right now for me is that Cunliffe left yeah. or quasi-left, whatever that is. <laughs> Everything else for me seems <laughs> yeah, to be arrow I mean, up. It, it is. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, and you just you hope that what that is is just, um, you know, one of those misses. I mean, you're, you're not going to hit on everybody. Never are. Uh, football or basketball or any sport, you know, you're going to miss. Um, and you hope that that's just one of those where you learn some lessons from it. Um, there's obviously something there. You know, I, I read Hurley's comment, which he was very he was very gracious in talking about Cunliffe until the very end of that article when he made the comment about, well, we need to get guys who don't feel it's below them to be here. Yeah, and I thought that, that's that's a telling comment. It's a stinging comment, and and uh, you know Hurley's Hurley's a you know he's a Northeast guy, and he's not a guy who beats around the bush. He's a different culture than than a lot of people out here, um, and and he's just that kind of guy. And I, I think you know that was him definitely taking a jab, um, even though he tried to be you know very classy about it. Other than that. So, you know, you just hope again, you know, you learn lessons. Um, Hurley's still a, like we talked about this last year, he's still a very, you know, raw head coach. It's what, his fourth year as a head coach? Two yeah. years at Buffalo and second year here. Am I right about that? That's so, true. So, I mean, he's, he's got things to learn, you know, and, and uh, he's learning on the job, and hopefully that's a, something that he missed in evaluating but that he can learn from and not miss going forward. Well, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Hurley as we move forward through the conference season. We're going to be back to talk more about the big bowl games, preview the national championship game, and talk about the opening weekend of the Pac-12 in college basketball. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.